from the campus of the University of Pennsylvania Wharton School. This is Career Talk on Business Radio. Here is your host, Dr. Don Graham. Welcome to Career Talk, your career insider. We are here on Business Radio, and we are powered by the Wharton School, Sirius XM, Channel 132. Hey, if it's Thursday, noon Eastern time, we are taking your calls right this second at 844-WHARTON, 844-942-7866. I'm your host, Dr. Don Graham. I'm the career director for the Wharton MBA program for executives here in Philadelphia. I'm also a licensed psychologist and former corporate recruiter, and Dream Team is in studio, Dion and Michelle. So we know this is going to be a fun time once we get to the pre-break quiz. But hey, if it's Thursday and you've got a question, every Thursday is open calls all hour long. So we want to hear from you right now. 844-WHARTON, 844-942-7866. So you've heard me talk about networking quite a bit on this show, maybe actually in every show. But are you making it a regular habit yet? And if so, is it working for you? On today's show, we welcome a guest whose strategies can transform you from a networker into a connector in a way that's practical, effective, and best of all, comfortable for you. It's networking your way. Today, we welcome Michelle Tillis Letterman, a former finance executive, NYU professor, and author of The 11 Laws of Likeability, and the new book, The Connector's Advantage, Seven Mindsets to Grow Your Influence and Impact. One of four Forbes is top 25 networking experts and the CEO of Executive Essentials. Michelle is an in-demand speaker who has been featured on CBS, NPR, Gail King, and in the New York Times, Wall Street Journal, and USA Today, to just to name a few. Welcome, Michelle. We're so excited to have you here. Thanks for having me on, Dawn, and I just loved how you introduced Going from networking to connecting, that just made me smile. Well, yes. Well, I've read your book, The Connector's Advantage, and, um, I, and I love that concept. I know, I know everybody in, who talks about networking is trying to, to find another word for networking because it's got such a negative connotation these days. And so you are, you are leading that movement with the word connector. And I see that the forward in the book was by Ivan Meisner. And the second I saw that, I knew this book was going to have a lot of practical, effective strategies because, um, that that's what people need. People understand networking works. But what I like about your approach, Michelle, is that you allow people to do it their way. This is, you know, everybody's got their own things that work for them and don't work for them. And I think I think that's what we all want. What is something that's going to work for, for you? And I want to dive right in with one of the very first stories in the book, which actually starts with you getting laid off, but <laughs> ends fabulously. Can you can you share that story, Michelle? Yes. And I, I remind me to tell you that story, but I want to agree with something else you said, which is that word networking, it has the word work in it, which is part of the deterrent because it feels like we have to do this thing and, and kind of shift gears. And what I'm trying to really create is that we're always in this mindset of connecting and it doesn't have to be like a switch that we turn on and off. Um, so, uh, yes, that story, well, that takes me back, back to my finance days that I've put way behind me. It was, I think, 2001, and I got, uh, I was working for, I think, a big consulting firm at the time. And I was busy. Like, I was working. I had great reviews. Like, I had no idea about things going on around me, like that there had been three rounds of layoffs already. So when I was called in, I'm like, yeah, no, I can't come to that meeting. I'm busy. They're like, no, 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 you're coming to this meeting. (laughs) Yeah, they kind of need you there for this. Yeah, you're not working here anymore. Mm -hmm. So come on over. Um, <laughs> and you and, had the whole walk, you know, walk out with with security and and all of that. That it just kind of blindsided you. Oh, completely! I, I was just stunned, and then and like they looked at me like I was going to do something. I'm like, I'm just hugging my friends goodbye. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's it's pretty jarring, and I've been laid off twice, and I think most people who've who've worked for any length of time has had something similar: layoff, a furlough, something happens, and even even you know that's happening in your company, it's still in that moment. It's very jarring because a million thoughts go through your head. What am I going to do? How am I going to pay my bills? How am I going to tell my fam? I mean, just a zillion thoughts going through your mind. You know, and what's interesting is how they do it. There's companies that know how to, like, sometimes it's necessary to have a reduction in force for an organization. Okay, I get it. But there's right way and a wrong way to do it. And making somebody feel like they are now the enemy 
because you had to let them go when they didn't necessarily do anything wrong. It wasn't a uh, evaluation. It was like the fourth round of layoffs, and they were now cutting their, you know, good people. Um, you know, it didn't make me have a kinship to that organization. So anytime they would come up on the, do you vote this person in as the auditor? I'd be like, nope. <laughs> yeah, it, it, there, many companies have, fail at doing it well, and you know, in all honesty, it, it, it's pretty hard to do it well. But but the the whole walking somebody out that that's tough. I mean, I understand a certain like in technology, you kind of have to do that because it's security and and all of that. But I was an auditor, like I was a consultant. I wasn't anybody who could do anything. Um, and and so, how you build relationships when you start. An organization and how you build a relationship when you end that organization really, really matter. Um, there, there's a correlation between their first two weeks on a job and how long you stay on that job. Oh, interesting. So the, the onboarding process for an organization and how do you make them feel when they enter your organization is, is critical. But also on that exit, like, you know, you're going to work with these people. You're in, still in the same industry. Um, you know the same people. And that reputation, whether it's individual or organizational, follows you. Mm-hmm. So, and I- and I love, I love um, that you went home, you thought about it, you kind of calmed down, and the next day you made a phone call, which changed everything. It really did. So um, th- I got the notice on a Monday. On Tuesday, I cleaned out my desk and called my friend from business school and said, guess what? I got laid off. Let's go have a drink. Uh, and the response was, come work here. Bam. <laughs> and it was literally, I was like, well, what would I do there? He goes, come to my office tomorrow and, and we'll talk about it. So Wednesday I go and we chat. And I was like, this sounds interesting. He goes, okay, great. Come back tomorrow and meet my boss. So Thursday I meet his boss and I'm in this conversation and it's going well. And all of a sudden he's like, so can you start tomorrow? And it, which you might have already realized, I don't usually am at a loss for words. <laughs> In this moment, I just, I think my jaw just dropped. I was like, uh, and my friend was like, let's give her the weekend. <laughs> yeah, yeah, let's let's give you a little time to unpack that box and, and you know, decide what you can toss out and what you still need. But but the, the, this is kind of how I'm positioning the show because I'm, I'm going to ask listeners, if you got laid off tomorrow, is there someone you could call who'd open the door to some viable opportunities? Is there somebody you could call that could, could either maybe not hire you on the spot, maybe they could, but connect you with with a company that you're interested in or or people in the field who can really make a viable connection because to me Michelle that is what this 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 industry is all about this idea of networking it it a lot of people look at it as a short term goal like uh, mm. i need something right now so i'm going to you know start networking but but for me and this is why i loved your book the connector's advantage for me it's always been kind of a lifestyle sort of like eating healthy or exercising yeah. it's like you want to do it before you need it so it's there Absolutely. and and it's an amazing sense of security if you can answer that question yes if you can answer that question yes if you got laid off tomorrow is there someone you could call who could open the door to viable opportunities. And for those of you who look at networking as a, you know, when I need it activity, there is nothing better than feeling like you could call a number of people who would happily put you in touch with people. It helps you sleep better at night. You know, when you make a mistake at work, which we all do, it it helps you say, okay, but I'm okay. Worst case scenario, I'll just have to call David, who I haven't called in a while. Um, and, and, And that's what networking is about. And I really wanted to kind of start the show with that because I think it's a different way to look. And I think that's why your book, The Connector's Advantage, is so important for people to think about. So, hey, 844 Wharton, 844-942- 7866. What is your perception of networking? How has it worked for you? When did you wish you had a network when you didn't? And what have you done about it? Give us a call. We want to hear about it because your information can help so many others. And that's what the goal of today's show is. 844-WHARTON, 844-942-7866. We're here with Michelle Tillis-Letterman, who is the author of The 11 Laws of Likeability and her new book, The Connector's Advantage, talking all about how to do networking your way. So so let's get back into what's the difference between networking and connecting, because this is a big part of your philosophy, Michelle. Yes. And, you know, networking, I always say, is something that you do. And and you were saying it before, like people go out when they have a need um, and they network when they need something. You're always networking. Networking is just another way of saying making friends. 
Um, it could be on the, the playground. It could be when you're volunteering for something. It could be when you're uh, in the park with your dog. It, whatever, the sports game, whoever's sitting next to you. Oh, and the bathroom line that is always, like, around the corner at those games. You know, that's a great place to meet people. <laughs> okay, I have to admit, I've never met anybody there. <laughs> I have met people on the line at the ladies because there is always a line at the ladies. Um, that is true. That is true. But that is, just let me put this up. This is an, an architectural design flaw. This I'm totally off topic now, but why would you put the same amount of bathrooms in the ladies' room as the men's? It just makes absolutely no sense. But that's neither here nor there. Let's keep I'm going. I'm totally with you. <laughs> um, so that networking, the mindset around this word networking, and I, I really don't even like the word. Um, I call it relationship networking because at least it's putting the focus in the right place. Um, it, it, it shouldn't be something we turn on and turn off. We don't network for need and we don't network for now. When you network for life, when you think about really connecting and building relationships and connector, I say is who you are. So that's the difference. It is a, a mindset. It's a way of being. It's a way of um, prioritizing relationships and your approach to life and to business and to people and to everything. It puts that as the foremost thought in those interactions. And so um, that's what I want people to do is just not be like, oh, I'm going to turn the switch now. It's just this is how I think. And the way I think are these mindsets of being open and accepting and having a clear vision and believing in abundance and um, having a generous spirit. And those are just some of the mindsets that we talk about. So I have, I have, a, I have a question. And Michelle and Dion, I'm going to ask you guys, too, so you guys can can kind of ponder your answer. Um, I'm going to ask Michelle Michelle uh, on the phone first, Michelle. It's going to get confusing. Yeah, I know. Two Michelles. Um <laughs> Where's the weirdest place you ever met somebody that turned into a connection? The oh. weirdest place. I mean, the bathroom line is up there for me. Like, I think that's... <laughs> that's... Um, you know, the funny thing is, I meet people in weird places all the time. I've met them in supermarkets. I Oh, the best one that really turned into a connection was at the dog park. Okay. Dog and... park. Yeah, like I, it was the first day with my new rescue dog, and she finally got over all the illnesses from the shelter, and I brought her to the puppy park, and I met this woman there who is now working for me. <laughs> Bam. Yes. Bam. I think dogs are really a good conversation opener. Dion, where's the weirdest place you've ever met somebody has turned into a connection? Walmart. Okay. Do you tell? Uh, the guy was working at Walmart. I was getting a watch fixed. And he, we ended up talking. He, he, I found out that he plays guitar and now he's in my band. Wow. <laughs> That's, That's awesome. how it happened. Wow. I yeah. love that story. <laughs> Michelle? Other Michelle? Um, I don't know if, I don't, this one's not super weird, but, um, I met, I went to an event completely out of my industry with an ex-boyfriend I was actually just going to support and uh, ended up meeting someone there that I just recently had a business meeting with because he might come on the show. And I did. I had a networking faux pas. Do you want to hear what it was? Oh, of course we do. It's quite funny. Um, <laughs> I met with him, and uh, I was really excited to meet with him. He's a, he's a really impressive guy here in Philly. And as soon as I met with him, I went to go text my coworker, yeah, I think he'd be great to come on the, sh on the channel. Um, and I was, so I was texting him immediately, my impression of him, which was oh really embarrassing. <laughs> but it was a positive impression. I, I, I texted him afterwards because he had a great sense of humor about it. And he was like, yeah, whoever you met after me must have been really impressive. And I said, thank God I was impressed. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> hey, that could have turned out badly. <laughs> yes, it could. <laughs> but that, that's actually a good question, though, Michelle, because I think a lot of people are afraid to start these conversations or even reach out to people because they're worried that they're going to look silly. How do you, can you recover from a bad first impression? I say you use them. Ooh. So I love that that happened because now you have this shared experience, this inside joke, and it creates a deeper connection. So when we are looking to connect with somebody else, we connect on so many different things. And what happens in society today, and, and this is not going to shock anybody, is that we focus on our differences. We are very polarized right now, and the differences are so obvious, but the similarities we have to actually search for. And I want people to think about in these conversations being detectives and looking for those common experiences, those common values, those common people, those common places, those common knowledge. There's so many things that we might find that we have that commonality. And, you know, so you have this faux pas. Now that actually 
creates a common experience that connects you and makes that bond deeper because you are able to recover from it. Fantastic. 844-WHARTON, 844-942-7866. Hey, where's the weirdest place you've ever met someone that turned into a connection? We want to know. 844-942-7866. You're listening to Career Talk on SiriusXM Channel 132. I'm your host, Dr. Don Graham. If it's Thursday noon Eastern, we are here all hour long taking your calls live. We are talking with Michelle Tillis Letterman, who has a new book, The Connector's Advantage, Seven Mindsets to Grow your influence and impact. So if you've got a weird networking story, how you met somebody in the most crazy place where you never thought you would, give us a call. Or if you have a question, of course, Thursdays are always open call 844-WHARTON, 844-942-7866. So Michelle, I know right now there are people out there saying, yeah, I get it, but you know, you sound like an extrovert and, and you're comfortable talking to people, but it just doesn't come natural, natural to me. What, what do I, I mean, it's just not who I am. This is something I hear all the time. And I am an extrovert. I'm married an introvert. And we have, in our, you know, 15-year marriage, um, he has kind of climbed the connector spectrum. And I'll explain what that is in a moment. But um, I actually think that introverts have some unique advantages over the extroverts. And when we think about connection, that really happens in the one-on-one. And that's where the introvert thrives. They are best in the one-on-one. They're also natural-born listeners. They are taking information, processing it, analyzing it, and then asking thoughtful questions, which is a superior skill of a connector. So an introvert should sit there and think, oh, I don't have to do you know, the social butterfly thing. I don't have to work the whole room. I just have to get in a good conversation with one person. And that's usually my, my kind of criteria for success is if I've made one relationship that I want to continue in any of those situations. So um, we, there's a third strength of introverts. It's that they are not off-putting. And, uh, Dawn, you and I might be those extroverted personalities. I'm oh, no, guess. not me. I'm so introverted. Really? I'm, I'm, like, so far in the introvert scale that, that they had to create a new scale. <laughs> it's really easy to sit in, in a room with a microphone and talk. But, but yeah, I, I, I don't think I'd speak to somebody in the line at the bathroom. Um, I think that would be really hard for me. And, and you, you write about this in your book because you write about – you know, we feel like we're intruding or we're being too personal. Um, and, and I feel that that was like exactly what I feel like. I don't want to ask this person something because like I'm, I'm either eavesdropping or yeah, I'm like, ah, I can't do it. You know, sometimes if you just throw a little comment out there and you will determine based on the response whether or not they want to engage. So I just flew back from Nashville and I was sitting next to somebody and I don't even know what the comment I threw out. It might have been something about, uh, you know, something about the airplane, like something neutral. It wasn't personal. It was situational. And so think about the environment with which you're in and commenting on that. It's not intrusive. And they will then engage you or they will smile and, and let it go. And you pick up on those cues whether or not to extend. So don't be afraid of saying something nice. I mean, I've just – anytime I see something like I stop for bling, if I see something I like – I will tell a stranger because you know what? Even if it turns into nothing, you made that person's day better by saying, I like your blank. Yeah, and I'm, I'm thinking about the airplane because you had that in your book too. And I think, wow, my, my biggest thought when getting on an airplane is how fast can I put my headphones in and look out the window and, and put my sunglasses on and pretend I'm like I'm totally alone in this airplane. And, and here's how an introvert's mind works. Is it like, okay, I want to network. I want to just you know, be nice to the person next to me. But I'm so afraid that if I start a conversation, they're going to talk for the whole six hours and I'm not going to know how to get out of it. I'm stuck in this seat. Like, like the, the thoughts that go through our mind are ridiculous, but, but it's true. I mean, it's just, just how we think. <laughs> I, you know what? I totally get it. And here's the challenge I want to put out to you and to all the listeners out there is just try a short interaction. If you're worried because it's a six-hour flight, Set up all of your stuff first and have that little chat and then say something like, what movie are you going to watch? So you have an exit strategy. <laughs> well, I don't need to watch a movie. I'm just going to sit here and talk to you. I'm like, well, I'm going to watch three movies. <laughs> or you might say, oh, I'm so excited. They have such great movies. Um, 
is there anything that you recommend? I'm, I, you know, I'm looking forward to watching a movie during the fight. Like you can, you can lay that groundwork so they know that they're not afraid to engage with you because they know that you won't talk to them the whole flight. <laughs> yes. No, I, and I totally agree. I think one of the things I always coach extroverts or introverts on when networking is have an exit strategy. It will make you so much more brave to start the conversation when you know that you have a way to, to exit. On an airplane, you might be a little bit stuck because it's not like you can walk away and, and move somewhere else. But, but in most other places, if you have an exit strategy, you're going to, you're going to feel so much better. So, you know, some of those might be, you know, this has been great. I want to get another um, piece of cake before they, they shut down the food or there's other people I, you know, I need to talk to or I don't want to monopolize your time. I mean, there's a lot of ways you can do it gracefully. And, um, you know, most people will will respect that. But but to your point, I will say I, I do think part of it is is kind of letting go of that voice in your head, because the weirdest place I've met somebody um, you know, who turned out to be a connection was actually the dressing room in a, you know, in a women's boutique. And, you know, I was, I was looking for an outfit for my, my TEDx talk and I overheard her talking with her, I guess it was her sister about needing an outfit for this presentation. So of course I'm like, what presentation? And I totally felt awkward because we're in the dressing room and, um, but it turned out that we have very similar, um, industries and, and things like that. And now we're connected. But but it, I have to admit, it was really hard to do. It was really awkward to do. So I would embrace the awkward. I would embrace the discomfort. And one of the things I would say is um, find your, your format, find your way to do it. And I talk about all these different ways that you can be social and curious without putting yourself in situations that you cannot stand and that completely drain you. Um, and at the same time, I always say, find your stretch. So your stretch was asking that one question and, and taking that chance. Somebody else's stress stretch might be something bigger. And to each their own what your stretch is, but always stretch just a little. Yeah, no, I, I like that. You don't want to stretch into the danger zone. You want to stretch into just where it's it's slightly less comfortable. And that could mean showing up to an event early to chat because, again, introverts are very good at showing up just as the talk starts and being the first one to exit when it goes. But, yeah. I mean, what's the point, right? What's the point Actually, of... Actually, it's a great technique. I wrote a blog on networking like an introvert, and um, and I gave five tips to do it the way that, that an introvert is going to, one, be more comfortable um, even when they're uncomfortable. So showing up early is actually one of those strategies because when you show up early, everybody's looking for somebody to talk to. And so it's not all on you to make it happen. People are going to glom onto you. And the other thing is to give yourself a job. So if you're at one of these events and they're overwhelming to you, give yourself a job, whether official or unofficial. You could be the greeter. You could direct people to the coat rack. You could, um, you know, give, you know, ask them where they're from and say, okay, here's, here's where this table is and here's what that table is. Even if it's not official, people will then glom onto you because they're nervous and you seem like a safe place because you're, you must know things if you're directing. <laughs> yeah, no, I think that that's fantastic. And, I, and and that's one of the key things I think introverts should do is get a role, get a role. Doesn't matter what it is, pointing to the bathroom, showing where the coat rack is, because you will one, meet everybody um, in a comfortable way. That's not awkward. And two, you will, will just you know, like you said, get there early and get the most out of the event. So I love that idea. If you're an introvert, here's the thing. My, my point of sharing all this with you is don't use it as an excuse because the only person who's going to suffer is you when you don't make connecting with others and networking a way of life. Because cause at some point you may get laid off. I hope not, but it could happen. At some point, your industry might change. At some point, you will benefit from building a mutually supportive group of people. And, you know, and it could be nothing to do with work. It could just be getting a great insight on a vacation spot. It could be a lot of things, mm -hmm. but your life will be so enriched when you have this group of mutually supportive people who you can both help and can help you. Hey, you're just tuning in. You're listening to Career Talk Series XM channel 132. I'm your host, Dr. Don Graham. We're here with Michelle Tillis Letterman, the author of the new book, The Connector's Advantage. And we're talking all about my favorite topic, networking. But networking your way. So, hey, where's the weirdest place you've ever met somebody? Or maybe you have a, a way to network that feels really comfortable for you that you want to share with others. We want to hear from you. If it's Thursday, noon Eastern, we're live taking your calls all hour at 844-WHARTON, 844-942-7866. So let's talk about, Michelle, those common excuses 
everybody comes oh, up with for okay. why, why, you know, the most frequent I'm guessing is there's no time. There's no time. That's a very common one. And here's what I will tell you. There is a lot of underutilized time in your week. And I don't mean downtime because I think downtime is really important to protect. I mean underutilized. And that, that, that could be the commuting time. Great time to catch up on emails or if you're on the car, a phone call. Um, you have that post-lunch time where you're kind of in food coma because it's still digesting and you really can't do that heavy brain work. Or even lunchtime itself, you know, having lunch with somebody rather than doing it at your desk. There is times that you go to the gym. Well, I've had so many business meetings at the gym or right after in sweaty clothing um, because, it, you know, I have to eat. So post-gym, I'll meet somebody right at the diner across from my gym, and I warn them in advance, I'm coming in gym clothes. Um, walking the dog. I've had meetings walking dogs. I, work, I met with a CEO who likes to take an afternoon walk, and he said, well, would you mind walking with me? And I'm like, sure. <laughs> um, it, it really personalizes the experience when you make it an activity that you want to do as well. So I have had manicure meetings. And I've closed deals over at the nail salon. So if we think about how we do the things we already do, who can we invite to do them with us? Yeah, I like that idea. And, and I'm thinking some of these like are my own quiet private space. Like when I'm getting a pedicure, I'm thinking that's kind of my space. So, so and I think that's the point of your book is do it your way. Okay, great. That's not the place for you. But walking your dog or being at the gym, maybe that's the place for you. So think about where could you incorporate networking into something you're already doing. And if you, you think you don't have time, I think one of the things that we don't realize is where our time goes, Michelle. I think it's, it's you know, if, if you sat down and did an audit, you might be shocked at that, about how much time goes to scrolling through social media oh, or yeah. looking at your phone or, or um, you know, catching up on Netflix and, and doing other things. And so I think, I think part of this has to do with, with how big of a priority is this? What can you work into your day that you're already doing? And, you know, is there anything in your day that, that you can replace? So you have to ask yourself those questions and you have to want to do it. Um, another, do you know the least productive hour of the work week? Work week? Any the, guesses? The least productive hour of the work week. Like I would say, I would say the first hour of the day when you're checking email and seeing what, what the heck happened over the last 12 hours, that probably doesn't matter. On what day of the week? Oh, what day of the week? Um, Monday? I would I, I will give you the exact opposite answer. Friday. Friday at four. Wow. The exact right. opposite. Look, Dion, I can't get questions opposite. right either. <laughs> well, I don't know where Monday at eight or nine falls. Um, and, and I think it's a different type of productivity, right? Because, you know, Monday at nine, when you're checking all those emails and trying to get caught up, it feels really un, unproductive, but you're actually getting things done. Friday at four, you are just busying yourself before you can leave. You're not actually doing anything. And so um, when we think about time, well, think about, like, it doesn't have to be a whole lot of time. If I spend five minutes a day or 15 minutes three times a week or one hour on Friday at four when I don't feel like doing anything else, that's all, you don't need to do a lot. My sister just joined LinkedIn. She's been an entrepreneur for 25 years, and now when her company has partnered with this larger company. She's like, oh, I've got to enter this corporate world. <laughs> and so she started on LinkedIn. And, and I said, and she's like, but I have no contacts. And, and, I, and I said, just think about all the people you went to camp with and to school with and to, um, you know, who live in your town and are parents of your friends, um, you know, the, your, your kids' friends and things like that. And, and, and I said, just every day, look for five people. And every day, just add five people. Or every day, just spend 10 minutes on it. And now she's got a couple hundred contacts. Yeah, it's pretty amazing when you start you start actually mapping it out to everybody you meet in the community, you know, children's friends, parents, and and you know, it's it's a pretty massive amount of people that we know. And I think sometimes we don't we don't even think about that. But um, speaking of quiz questions, I think we have to go to our pre-break quiz. Quiz. There's a quiz. Yes, there's a quiz. What is unique about this sentence? The quick brown fox jumps over the lazy dog. 
The quick brown fox jumps over the lazy dog. If you think you know, give us a call at 844-WHARTON, 844-942-7866. You're listening to Career Talk on Sirius XM Channel 132, and we'll be right back. You're listening to Career Talk on Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School. Here again is Dr. Don Brand. Welcome back to Career Talk, your career insider. We are here in Business Radio, and we are powered by... The Wharton School, Series 6M, Channel 132. Hey, if it's Thursday, it's open calls all hours. Always 844-WHARTON, 844-942-7866. And just in case you missed the pre-break quiz, I'll give it to you one more time. What is unique about this sentence? The quick brown fox jumps over the lazy dog. Think you know, give us a call at 844-WHARTON, 844-942-7866. We're going to be answering that in just a minute. But... Right now, I want to go back to our fabulous guest, Michelle Tillis-Letterman, who is the author of the new book, The Connector's Advantage, and is sharing all the great tips about networking your way. And right before the break, we talked about, Michelle, how how the last hour on Friday is the least productive. So it's a great time to network. It's also a great time, coincidentally, for happy hour. So I'm not really sure why people <laughs> wouldn't, wouldn't put those two together. Where can people reach you for more information, Michelle? The best place to start is my website, which is Michelle with two L's, Tillis, T-I-L-L-I-S, Letterman, L-E-D-E-R-M-A-N dot com. And from there, they can find my blog and that that, uh, networking article I mentioned and my YouTube channel. I do little success shorty videos, and they can link in to me. I love to hear how you found me. Um, And you can also go to theconnectorsadvantage.com to find out more about the book. Fantastic. Fantastic. If you've got a question, you can give us a call right now, or you can also tweet at Dr. Don Graham. Uh, well, we can also take your question. So in the second half of the show, I want to talk, um, by the way, Michelle, I've read a ton of your blogs and they're awesome and they're, they're just, they're very practical. And I want to talk about how to ask for things because I think a lot of people struggle with that. And I want to talk about, I think in one of the videos I saw of you, you have a listener challenge that I thought would be great to pose out to the listeners. So, but I think we should answer our pre-break quiz because we actually have a lot of calls for this one. Um, so we're going to do that, which means, Dion, you're off the hook. Woo-hoo. Yeah. <laughs> really? That's it? <laughs> I figured you'd be... What do you want from me? I thought you'd be way happier. All right. What is unique about this sentence? The quick brown fox jumps over the lazy dog. And we're going to go to the first person who called in, Robin in New York. Robin, what is unique about that sentence? Well, I remember that sentence from when I used to do secretarial uh, tests. Because even though I went to Wharton, I spent a lot of time temping during my uh, semester break. And I think that they chose that sentence because it contains every letter of the alphabet. Very good. Very good. Awesome. Now, I have a follow-up question for you, Robin. I know I know that you weren't expected. I know. There's always a follow-up. Well, maybe I'll ask Dion. (laughs) Oh, boy. Do do you know what that's actually called? There's actually a name for that. That's a good question. It was a something test. Yeah, no, not the typing, like typing test. test. I remember taking uh, that typing test too. So we're we're like I and I, and that's where I know the sentence from um, as well. But there's actually a a word for sentences that include uh, every letter of the alphabet. Every letter. So I don't know. You lose me after onomatopoeia. I know, I know. So <laughs> I, I had to, you know, I couldn't just stop at the the pre break quiz. I had to. So it's called a pangram or a holo alphabetic oh, sentence. Yes. Dion's like I knew that. Yeah, I was going to say all-inclusive. Yeah. <laughs> but the interesting thing, the la- the quick brown fox jumps over the lazy dog, has 35 letters, and the, the there's a shorter one. The five boxing wizards jump quickly, which only has 31 le- letters. So, yeah. That's a terrible sentence. Well, it, you know, it, they're just trying to get all the letters in as quickly as possible. Can you come up with a better one? <laughs> no. That's your challenge for next week. Next week, Dion will have a better sentence that's a pangram that is shorter than that. D- does it have to make sense? Um, no. Great. Okay. I can do that. <laughs> it does not. Hey, thank you so much for, for all the guests who called in with the quiz answer. Lots of lots of smart people out there knowing this. Um, 
And let's get back to networking. So if you're just tuning in, you're listening to Career Talk, Sirius XM 132-844-WHARTON, 844-942-7866. We're talking about networking. And one of the things um, that you talk about in your book, Michelle, The Connector's Advantage, is different ways to ask. And, and you know, I was looking at these and I was like, this is great because a lot of times, okay, I've met with somebody, we're maybe hitting it off and, and you know, it's time to ask for something and it's like, ah, I don't know what to say. So one of my favorites was that that I like to use is a non-ask. Can you talk mm. about that one? <laughs> yeah, this is a this is actually a new one in my repertoire. I uh, I've, I'm a fan of the opt-out ask, and I'll explain that one as well. But the the non-ask is when we say what we're working on, and we share, oh, this is what I'm focused on, or I'm thinking about this, and we wait for that person to jump in because the other person will start to think about that topic and think of of a way that they can be valuable. People want to sound helpful and they want to sound smart, and so they will then contribute something. They might say, well, have you thought of this, or do you know this person? Um, so you're giving them what I call breadcrumbs um, to extend. And if they don't, what you might do is just say, hey, do you have any ideas, or what would you do? And that will get them thinking about it because, of course, they want to have a, yes, I have ideas. <laughs> yeah. No, I love that. And then I usually follow that up if, if I don't get anything with the opt-out ask, which is the one you were going to talk about. The, yes, the opt-out ask. For me, um, everyone worries about asking because they don't want to make it awkward if the person wants to say no and then they feel uncomfortable. Saying no can be uncomfortable. And then I want to avoid you because I feel bad that I said no to you. So the opt-out ask makes it as easy to say no as it is to say yes so that you don't put the relationship at risk. So if they say no, you are still open for a yes down the road because they're not trying to avoid you because you made it okay for them. And what it does is it gives them the reason to say no. So when you ask, you actually give them the way that they can say no. So if you have the time, dot, 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 that's a way to say, well, I, I don't have the time. Or if your company allows it. Or, for example, Dawn, people are always asking me if I could make them introductions to podcast hosts. They want to be a guest on a show. And I will say, uh, I will ask you, I'll say, if it's a fit, would you like me to? Or if you're looking for new guests. So I give you the reason, oh, we're not looking for guests right now. Yeah, I like that strategy. And, and that kind of brings me to the what's in it for them strategy, because I think this one can be really successful. And a lot of people don't stop to think about it. They're like, I'm so nervous to ask. But if you only think about how you can invest in them first, you're going to get a more positive response. Do you have an example of a what's in it for them ask? So you actually addressed two different things when you when you said that. So the what's in it for them ask is about understanding how it might benefit the other person. It's not important why you want them to do it for you. It's important about why they would want to do it for them. So that's what the what's in it for them ask is. So if I want to sell you something, it's not, hey, you sell, you know, buy this because I'm trying to go on this trip or I'm trying to meet my commission schedule. It's buy this because this is what it's going to do for you. And buy this because this is a problem it's going to solve. Um, but you have to be careful with the with it ask because there are times where I get emails and it's like, I think it would benefit you to talk to me. <laughs> so, yeah, and I think that's what though I like about your book is that you, you have different strategies in there. Some of them aren't going to be comfortable for everyone. Like you have one in there about the, uh, the shrinking ask. And I've used that a couple of times and um, I think I pushed it too far. But <laughs> it's just like, okay, that's not my, that's not my ask. I'm going to try a different type of ask. But I think that's the, the one of the barriers for people about networking is like, oh, I tried this and it didn't work, so I'm done. I'm not good at it. I, I'm just not natural. And, and you know, here's the thing. The only way to get good at, at asking is to ask. Like, you have to do it. You have to maybe screw up a couple of times or, you know, do it the wrong way so you mm -hmm. can figure out what works for you, what's comfortable for you, and build your own strategy. Because once you do that, a lot of the scary stuff kind of falls away. So here's my um, my two cents on asking. And and I will say this again and again to the face. You have to ask. If you don't ask, the answer is no. Mm-hmm. If you ask, you immediately increase your odds. So there's nothing wrong with making an ask, but I do elaborate on when is it appropriate. So the other thing that you were saying in that question was it is a lot easier to make an ask, which is part of the mindset of having a clear vision, if you have a generous spirit. Because if you have a generous spirit and you have a giving spirit and you are 
always thinking about how you can add value to others, it gives you more permission to ask. Um, and so it makes it less challenging for you yourself. Like, hey, I, I am happy to give and I do give often. And even though I might not have given to the person I'm making ask of, if I ask the question of them, how can I help you? Even if there's nothing I can do right now, they know I'm of that mindset. And so um, that makes it a little bit easier to ask. You don't want to, and Ivan Meisner shares this in a lot of his work, and he always talks about don't propose on the first date. <laughs> yes, good, good strategy. On multiple levels. Yes. <laughs> um, and, and here's what I do when I, when I coach my students and they think, wow, I'm nervous about it. I'm re- reaching out. What if this? What if that? And I say, let's play this out. Like, let, what happens if you don't ask? Nothing. Okay, well, then, then clearly, if we're starting at baseline, you've got nothing to lose. So do it. <laughs> you know, you only have everything to gain. Hey, you're listening to Career Talk, Sirius XM Channel 132-844-WHARTON, 844-942-7866. If it's Thursday, noon Eastern, we are live all hour. Open calls for all of our listeners. So if you've got a question about networking or anything in the job search, we are here to answer those questions for you. And hey, if you haven't gotten a copy of my book, Switchers, How Smart Professionals Change Careers and See Success, guess what? Yesterday was the one-year anniversary. So happy anniversary, switchers. Woohoo! Woohoo! See, there was an enthusiastic woohoo. <laughs> My woohoo was enthusiastic. Yeah, no, you're right. It was, no, it was, it was a little sad. <laughs> How's that? There you nice. go. There you go. <laughs> yeah, so if you haven't gotten a copy, you want to get a copy on Amazon if you're looking to switch careers or if you just want to amp up your job search. But let's talk about, you've got some really interesting um, blogs and videos. And one that just kind of jumped out, Michelle, was treat people the way you treat a dog. <laughs> it's like, wait, what? I got to read this. I got to look at this one. <laughs> what do you mean? Oh, my God. I wrote that one so many years ago. You found that in the archives. Yeah. No, but I, when you read it, it's, it's it's about having a, you know, a host mindset and, you know, and it, it totally makes sense. But I, upon initial, it's got that shocking title where you're like, I have to read this. Yeah. Well, if you think about it, um, we... We are just nicer to animals most of the time. We greet them when we come in. We talk to them. Um, we uh, we show that um, that affection. I'm thinking about my dog right now, who's who's I can see through my window. Um, but we wouldn't. Uh, they they pick up on our tone, right? So a dog very clearly knows what you're saying without understanding English based on your tone. And. There's a, a clarity in our communication with the dog. I, I honestly, I got to tell you, I don't remember what I wrote in the article. I'm just kind of thinking about it theoretically right now because that was so long ago that I wrote it. Um, but I love the concept of having a host mindset so that you are the one who is making people feel welcome. I think this works in um, big events, like working a crowd. I think this is something that as an introvert, you know, for me, I kind of need to to have a strategy. And, you know, here's the thing. A lot of what we're talking about is is you know, serendipitous and happens and you take advantage of the opportunities right in front of you. And I think that is important as well. I think there's so many opportunities in our day to day that we miss, like you were talking about earlier, not, you know, eating lunch alone every day, or, you know, you see somebody, uh, um, you know, at the dog park and you see them every day, and you never ask them anything. So I think we have to take advantage of these. But I, I will say when we're talking about a big networking event where there's going to be a crowd and I don't know a lot of people, I have to build the plan. And I think that's okay. And I and so uh, let's talk about you've written a lot of articles and, and talk a lot of things about how you show up in the room and, and how to to mm-hmm. make the most of these activities. What are some of those tips for people who may have a networking event coming up or may just avoid them altogether because they're like, I never get anything out of this and it's just dang uncomfortable. So I'm going to go home and, and watch Netflix. Well, first of all, I do give people permission to not show up, but just not every time. Right. So if, if you're not feeling it, if you're really not feeling it one day, I give you permission for that one opt out. You got your opt out card, but then you've got to choose of when you want to use it because you only get one opt out card, maybe a quarter or a year, depending on how often you have these events that come up. Um, so so that's the first thing is, is, you know, can I can I get my mind into the right place? So it's about shifting our energy, and, and I always talk about finding the good, right? So I have to go to an event, and I dread it. And if you talk to yourself about dreading it, your, your body language will follow it and your mindset follows it. But if you start to find the good and evoke real emotion, like, ah, free booze. You know? <laughs> 
That's how every networking flyer should start. Free booze booze, and some networking. So so we can be excited for that and we can say – you know, that, that's going to be my start is I'm going to go get a drink. And then if I want to get out of a conversation, I'm going to say, I'm going to go get another drink or offer somebody another drink. So you have these what I call back pocket questions or back pocket phrases to help you in and out of conversations. Um, but I also say while you're at these events, they can be very draining. So give yourself a break. You don't have to go full force the whole time. You can be in a conversation and you can always use that. I just need to check in with my kids or husband or, or whoever. Um, I need to use the restroom. Give yourself that moment of a breather, regain your energy, and reapproach. Yeah, that goes back to the exit. I'm telling you, having having both an exit and an entrance has helped me so much at events. Like just something that works for you, and, and those exits, like yes, I have to go um, check on my kids, or you know, I, whatever that is for you, find one because when you have it, then you don't have to sit there with your mind reeling, like how do I get out of this? You know, this is torture. Just have it ready. It's just about preparing. What about entries? I know you talk about going early so that that you kind of can start connecting with people and, and, you know, get a strategic place to sit. But let's just say you don't get there early and, you know, everybody's already coupled up or tripled up and you're like, "Ah, I'm standing here looking like an idiot. Okay. So I actually have a whole chapter on this in my first book, The 11 Laws of Likeability. I have, it's the law of curiosity. And I talk about all the different types of opening questions you can ask. And it could be based on um, the, the environment. It could be based on the geography. It could be based on the, um, what's in the news. It could be based on, I mean, weather is an amazing, it sounds ridiculous, but uh, I live where Sandy happened and there's tornadoes and there's always weather somewhere that is news that actually leads to really um, elaborate conversations because it then moves into um, you know the plumber and uh, you know like you know travel and and those things that have happened to you and then the stories and all of a sudden we're in this deep conversation because we started talking about the weather so uh, there's a whole chapter on different ways that we can start those conversations. But let's say everybody is in those conversations already and you're kind of standing on your own. One of the things that I like to do is be purposeful. So I might talk to people who are, um, you know, working the event and ask if they need any help so we can get that role. If, If that is not needed, I will go somewhere where it's a tighter crowd so that I'm hearing conversation. And then I look for an opportunity to jump in. Now, I'm not going to eavesdrop on a conversation that's two people. So you want to look for a group of three and maybe four, but more than that, it's even harder to break into. But if you see three people talking, then you know it's not a private conversation. And what happens is if you bump a little bit, somebody might open up the the circle for you and you might introduce yourself and then kind of broaden it out. So you want to use your body to, uh, I wish you could see me right now. I'm doing all of it for you. <laughs> we can't see you, but we get the ideas. You, you, you kind idea. of, yeah. What you're looking for is to try to create a physical opening to bring yourself in. And the other thing you, you can do is create a verbal opening. So if somebody says something, you might turn around, put your hand on somebody's shoulder and say, you know, did I just hear you say, and you have to say it loud enough that you actually gain their attention and jump in on that topic. If it's a topic of interest, you might say, I was just talking about that with somebody. What do you think? Or right. So you're, you're jumping in on the topic that are at hand and you're joining an existing conversation. Yeah, I know. I like, I like the suggestions. I'm again, my introvert, like, like radars going up, like, don't touch me. (laughs) (laughs) Like if you accidentally bump me like that's, but like, yeah, eh, don't touch me. It's a, it's a lot trickier these days with, you know, and if you do touch somebody, I would say um, the bicep area of the arm, not necessarily the shoulder, not the back. The safest place is kind of like between the elbow and the shoulder on the arm. Yeah, I feel like this is a topic for a whole nother show, Michelle. <laughs> like, okay, here, here's like we are in the air of Me Too. Here, here's let's just be very clear. But but this would be a better visual show, I'm I'm imagining. But um, one of the things I like you talked about in the book, or I'm sorry, in one of your um 
blogs is is speak up soon, even if it has nothing to do with anything. Like, could you pass the the salt? You know, would you like some water? Would you, you know, because actually speaking up gets you comfortable with speaking up and whether or not it leads to a conversation. It's just this idea that, that, um, you know, you're starting to get comfortable in the space. And I actually think that works really well. I do that a lot when I'm presenting or speaking to a large group. If there's an opportunity for me to kind of say a couple of things um, briefly before I actually have to do my talk, it calms me down so much. So I, I think that was a great one that I wanted to point out. But before before we wrap up, because I know our time is coming to an end, there was something that I, I caught again, not sure if it was a video or um, or a blog, but you had a, a listener challenge to pick three and in one week to deepen a relationship, reconnect with somebody and then find a new person you've wanted to meet. So can you can you briefly describe that challenge? Because I want to put that out to all of our listeners that, you know, we talked about a lot of things on the show today and they may seem overwhelming and I don't know where to start. But I like this challenge because it gives you a structure. This is this is perfect. So um, when I say pick three, we want to think about one person that you might have lost contact with, somebody who you had a good connection with. It could be an old job. It could be, you know, grammar school. Um, but somebody you want to reconnect with. It could be a long ago or a recent, but it, it's that email that says it's been too long. And you're going to pick that person and you're going to reach out to them and you're going to say time to reconnect. You can use any of the phrases I've given you, steal them all. I'm good with it. Uh, so one is reconnect. Two is deepen connection. So there's somebody that you have a relationship with. It could be in your office. It could be personal or professional. And you want it to be bigger, better, stronger, longer, all of those things. Then that person you're going to seek to connect with on something specific. So you might say, hey, let's grab coffee or let's set up a phone call or um, would love to hear what you're doing on this topic. And right. So you're just trying to deepen it. You're looking for the next point of contact or you're looking for a way to add value to them because that also strengthen the contact. It might say, oh, I saw you, uh, you know, on LinkedIn say this. Have you seen this article? Thought it might be of interest. You're strengthening. And the third is a new contact. So who do you want to meet? Is it a certain industry, a job function, uh, somebody in your community? Who do you want to connect with? Everyone has that person. Um, and it doesn't have to be a big stretch, like I want to meet Michelle Obama. Uh, you know, it could just be somebody, you know, I want to meet with somebody who's two levels above me in the organization. Um, and what can you do and who can you ask to help make that connection? So you actually get a bonus fourth one in there too. <laughs> so I love that. So just, just to reiterate, so you're going to reconnect with somebody who you maybe from the past, maybe somebody you went to school with, you know, you're going to deepen a relationship, so maybe somebody who you want to learn more about, and then you're going to find a new person. And the goal is to do this over the next week and to build these these three things because I think once you start, you start to build the momentum and things start moving forward and you start to realize this isn't as hard or time-consuming or scary as I thought. And, and here's the best part. I guarantee, and I don't do that very often, but I guarantee if you start making this a habit – Things are going to come back to you in ways, opportunities, um, information, and and other things that make your life easier, perhaps make your career better. It will happen. It will happen as you start doing this, uh, you know, maybe tomorrow, maybe a year from now. But it is pretty much magic, and I want that for everybody who listens to the show. So, Michelle, it has been Fabulous having you on. One last time, Michelle Tillis-Letterman, whose new book, The Connector's Advantage, Seven Mindsets to Grow Your Influence and Impact. Where can people reach you for more information? Well, it has been a pleasure. Thank you for having me on. And I can't wait to hear from all of your listeners at my website, michelle2ltillis-letterman.com and theconnectorsadvantage.com. And by the way, there's lots of free giveaways and networking assessment to understand what style you are. Um, I have a three words activity. I have lots of free giveaways on my website that can help get you where you want to go. Fantastic. Do yourself a favor and go to those resources because networking will change your ways, your life in ways that you just, you can't even imagine. So Michelle Dion, always fun to have you on the show. And of course, to all of our listeners and callers, we are here every week on Career Talk for you, Sirius XM Channel 132. I'm your host, Dr. Don Graham. You can follow me on Twitter at Dr. Don Graham, and we will see you next time. 